The Providence College Friars. Will the party ever end tonight The Big East. And the rest of the college hoops world. You know that the party will not end. This is the Providence Crier Podcast with your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Zerwitz. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Zerwitz, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC in the house. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Wednesday, January 31st. And um, you feeling okay, BOC? Are, are you recovered? I'm I'm slightly recovered. Uh, I'll be 100% tomorrow. These, uh, these, these long weekends where you're watching Providence basketball and you haven't been up there in a while, especially for a guy from Jersey, it's a blast and it's fun nonstop, but uh, my my 34-year-old body can't exactly bounce back like he used to. So awesome weekend, great time seeing everybody Friday, awesome time Saturday, um, but it's good to get back into a routine, I'll say that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was I was, I was was struggling as well, BLC. Uh It does take a lot, uh, but uh, no, it was an awesome weekend. Um, start off Friday night with with our live show, um, currently it's it's on our YouTube channel, which I had tweeted out the night of the show. Um, it was an awesome time, BSC. We, we we had to battle the elements a little bit with uh, some technical difficulties with the camera, and uh, at one point, and then the mics. Uh, there's some feedback issues going on, but all in all, it was a good show, and it seemed like the people that were there enjoyed it. So. Yeah, I had a great time with it. And again, thank you to everybody for coming out to Black Sheep. Thank you to Black Sheep. Um, it was it was our first time doing this, and we really appreciate everybody carving out, you know, two hours of their Friday night, two and a half hours of their Friday night. And shout out to uh, some of the people who donated to the NIL. I think we raised over $1,000, which is fantastic. Again, I'm beating a dead horse, but this is the one time where you can actually directly contribute to not only players coming to Providence, but retaining players. Um, and this is one of the latter because we were able to raise, again, if you do it on average, about 200 a player because we raised over 1,000 for five players. So um, and lastly, awesome, the Barons came and swung by. That was a nice little surprise. They're just a class act family. It's no surprise. Rick uh, seems like they love the Providence community and we love them back. Yeah, no, that was awesome that 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 they came through. Uh, Rich's dad came on the mic uh, and asked some questions. So, but but it was more, more so a thank you for the community, like you said. Um, so yeah, th- that was cool. Um, yeah, we yeah we, we did some work on those auction items after the show, which, which was awesome. Um, even included yours truly. Uh, $100 donation to NIL if I did shirtless push-ups on my walker. Um, the donation was made. The product wasn't fully delivered. BOC, I'm washed. Uh, I, I I used to do those things easily. And uh, it was a bit of struggle city, but it was for a good cause. So, so what are you going to do, you know? <laughs> what are you going to do? It's all right. It was for a good cause. Uh, 
All right, so let's uh, let's get into the game, shall we? Uh, the the game that we have been waiting for, Providence Georgetown. Ed Cooley making his return to the AMP to Providence. Um, you know, after coaching the Friars for the last 12, 13 seasons. Um, I, I guess first off, let's talk about the atmosphere at BOC. It was anticipated to be legendary, and it certainly lived up to the hype, at least I thought. I um, I think Providence came out as ultimately the, the winner in all this, not only on the scoreboard, which is obvious, but Providence, I think the, the surrounding atmosphere was, oh, God, they're going to step over the line, and Providence is it's going to look ugly. And Providence fans, they were loud. They were boisterous. They had some interesting chants. They had some colorful chants, but they didn't cross the line. And I think it showed out really well on TV, all the fans, and it only further reiterated that Providence is one of the toughest home courts in all college basketball. So I can't applaud the students enough because it would have been easy to get out of hand the administration enough for making sure that the things were in place to prevent that from transpiring just everybody who attended uh because they they literally did create an awesome atmosphere i saw some weird rumors that fox was like tamping down the noise i don't know i saw that on twitter i don't know how accurate that was but i will tell you i've been to a lot of providence games that's probably the most raucous atmosphere i've ever been to personally you can maybe point to like certain things like the pit <clears throat> the pit win um when we were in college but that was more of a because of we were beating a number one team not necessarily the atmosphere from start to finish from start to finish this was the best game i've ever been to in terms of atmosphere yeah um i got a random one that w- that's up there for me it was we played xavier i think we were both in the top 10 or close to it uh on like a wednesday night at like 8 30 tip yeah with Chris Dunn, I think. And, like, we went on a run during that game, and the place was going bananas. But, no, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. The Wisconsin game this year, the environment was awesome. Um, looking back, Texas Tech last year was really good, too. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was, it was was a nut house. Uh, really no other way to put it. But you're, you're totally right. Like, I, I definitely think um, – Things could have got bad, and if all it is is, is some um, chance that that you know, sure, maybe borderline, not classy, uh, but if, if that's all it was, then whatever. Um, yeah. And you know, I I'll even give a half tip to Cooley for not uh, kind of like complaining about it. Um, although he did ask for the bonus check, that was ridiculous. Uh, did you catch that? Yeah, the the post game press again. Besides, I think Providence, the community coming out as a top dog after this game. Number two is Kim English because the way he handled it post game, the way he handled it pre game, he was very cordial to Cooley, dapped him up, said hello. Post game, he said, "Stop asking me about the team. Start. Let's start talking about the team. It's not about me. It's about the school. It's about the community." Contrast that with Cooley, and again. I think Cooley just had a bad moment, Um, but maybe that's just who he is. And we were blinded by that because he did so much for Providence because the comment of the reason why Providence fan base is so great is because of him is so self-centered. And I'm, I'm a guy who has defended him. Like I've written articles thanking Cooley for all he's done for Providence, but 
these comments, it's just like, and then the tweet beforehand about Friar Family Forever with Cartwright and Hatton, it's and Don. No, it was just Family Forever. Family, okay. yeah, Family Forever. You know what I mean, though? Like, he just does these things that it's almost like he can't decide if he wants to be loved or the heel. And it's like he wakes up on different sides of the bed, and depending on time of day, he changes his personality. It's almost like a split personality. It's kind of strange. But anyway, he came off looking terribly post-game, and um, he tried to be like, you know, Mr. Loved at pregame, dapping everybody up, saying hello. And I get, I get that he knows everybody. He's built a relationship there for his entire life and then coaching for, you know, 10 plus years. But just focus on the game, like him coming out last and then like deliberately saying hello to everybody. It's like, just focus on the game. So he rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and him thinking that he's going to be like applauded eventually. I don't think he realizes the ramifications of, how he went about leaving. It's not that he left. It's when he left to a conference, in conference. We've talked about this, in conference, but also how he left. I don't think he understands that still, which is kind of boggling my mind, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I do think, I do give him a little credit for, because he could have easily been like, that's, you know, the reaction was ridiculous and all that. He didn't do that, so so I'll give him a hat tip there. But um, <clears throat> I agree. The rest of it was kind of ridiculous. And, of course, the national CBB media is kind of phrasing him. A uh, couple fluff pieces uh, post-game about the way he handled it. I thought he handled it pretty well, though. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, but it is funny. Like, the Matt Norlander thing came out today uh, on Tuesday when we were recording here. He wrote a piece and he said that like if Cooley can get to them to the tournament in year three, that'd be an outstanding job. It's like, wait a minute, I thought Georgetown was this big bad brand Georgetown. Uh I thought Georgetown was this awesome job. Um and so you're gonna be paying a guy six million dollars this year to go eight and thirteen in conference, and then you're gonna give him another season to miss the tournament as well. And if he brings Georgetown back to an NCAA tournament, something that Patrick Ewing did, by the way. Uh, it's not like Ewing wasn't able to take him to the tournament. He did it once. Um, to say that that would be an astounding accomplishment, to me, is crazy. But because it's like, it's they're like moving, they're, which they're is moving. it? Then? Like, which is it? Like, is, is Georgetown this awesome job that um, everyone's dying to get? Or is it like this is a team that's fallen on hard times and it's going to take a while for them to, to, to get back to any sort of like a snip of what they were like, what is it? Yeah. It's you moving, can't tell me both way, you know, yeah, they're moving, yeah, it's the classic talking out of both sides of your mouth and moving the goalposts. So in the world of NIL, the free transfer portal, you, I mean, look at what St. John's is doing. Right. Cooley did it. Cooley, think cool. about, think about last year when Cooley totally flipped his roster um, off the sweet 16 run. And they had a good team. Like, he could have easily made this Georgetown team. I mean, I'll go on a little bit of tangent here, but, like, with the uh, Divine Providence uh, video coming out and you see a lot of the traditional media defending Cooley and coming to his back for some insane reason, they're – I'm starting to think the reason why everybody was like, oh, uh, Cooley left for Georgetown is because they had Cooley's back and they were in his corner and he was giving them good quotes – um, rather than accepting it, I, I honestly think it is a lateral move. Um, and you're paying him a lot of money to wait three years for a tournament. 
and their record is not going to be much better than it was under Ewing. <laughs> 18 million. Uh, so if that's what it is. He gets the term in year three, doesn't do it in year two. Clearly not doing it this year, barring some miracle. Um, you you paid eighteen million to get back into the dance once, <laughs> and, and you know, call you know how it is. Like even Province when they first like made it, it it's it's more than just making it. You, you got you got to make moves in the dance. I know, and I, people people say like, oh, you guys are tough on Cooley. Like he did. The, we gave him a really long leash for his lack of accomplishments. Like. Making the tournament's fine, yes, but we only made it to the second weekend. How many? We only made the second weekend once, and I think we only won three games. Than, yeah, three games exactly. Um, yeah. Um, no, and listen, I'm. I was someone. I still believe it that he did do really good things. I mean, there's no denying it. The, the program was in shambles when he inherited it. That's not to say that there's no fans, though. I, I think that's. So I do think. What he built at Providence elevated the atmosphere at the amp to what it is today, for sure. But you can't tell me that fan base wasn't there. It, like, yeah. it, it, when I was a freshman, it was Keno Davis's first year. Place was sold out for Northeastern, and we lost that game. Cool, um, <laughs> but no, Providence has had a pretty passionate fan base for a long time. And yes, winning is going to elevate that and make it like go crazy. And that's what Cooley did at Providence. But, you know, I, I, I've said it once, I'll say it again. I mean, it, it's too bad that you don't have Hopkins now because I, I think you could have really pushed this to the test. Like, I, I think with Hopkins, they could have potentially been an Elite 18 this year. Um, you can do better than a Sweet 16 at Providence. It's been proven. Um, oh, yeah. And, and then Providence I, has always had a good fan base. Always. Yeah. Um, Cooley has elevated to your point, but they've always had a good fan base. It's the only sport. It's the only quote unquote pro team in Rhode Island. So it's, that's what makes Providence so unique. It's a small school, but it's the pro team in Rhode Island. So people who aren't even Providence alums or students there, they go there because it's their team. And that's what I've been trying to say is the difference between Georgetown of the eighties and nineties versus now. They don't care about Georgetown basketball in DC. I really feel that way. There's so much more stuff going on for better or worse, in D.C., in the general area, and a lot of alums don't stay in that area, it's hard to replicate that. And it's not as if you're going to get non-Georgetown alums who are so suddenly going to be flocking to a Hoyas game. It's just not the way it is. And maybe I'll eat crow on that. I don't think I will personally. Times are different. Oh, um, yeah. That, that's one, that's one, the big thing. One thing real quick. <laughs> if it takes three years to get to the NCAA tournament, you know who would have been a great hire for them. Kimmy English. <laughs> I know, right? But honestly, a, a young a young guy from the DMV area who grew up grew up loving Georgetown because he was growing up while they were in the you know in the peak during uh the Thompson era um with Jeff Green and all them when they were just rolling. Um he would have you know crawled on hands and knees to go to that program, but they pass on him for Cooley. So <laughs> we'll see what happens in two to three years, but it they might have missed on somebody right in their backyard. Yeah, and like to me, it's just like saying that times have definitely changed. And I don't think people can realize that. Was Providence a stepping stone job? Yes, absolutely. The resources weren't really there. Um, you know, the community isn't what it is today. Um, so, so was it when when Cooley inherited it? Yes. Uh, when when 
when Rick Pitino left for the Knicks in the 80s, uh, when when Pete Gillen left for Virginia in the 90s, Rick Barnes, same deal, like, for, for Texas. Like, times have changed. And problems here to stay. Like, I'm pretty yeah, confident. I agree. There. I agree. Let's get to the uh, game. Let's get to the yeah, game. No, real quick. I was going to say, should we get to the game? No, no, no. I think it's good to air that all, all that stuff out because it gives good perspective from from folks who are like from, you and I are a similar age where we we've been through the lows of the low with Providence um, and seen the rise. But anyway, yeah. even with saying all that, Cooley knows how to coach, right? Like nobody. And then he almost we were up double digits. We were up high single digits most of the game. And then sure enough, Cooley has a, finds a way to get his team to claw back and maybe it's self-inflicted on Providence. But I thought Georgetown actually played one of their better games of the season. Um, it seems like whenever we were about to put the death blow to them, they always countered with a shot by Epps or Masood um, or Cook with a putback. So I thought they played really well. Again, I think they played over their skis. I thought it was one of their better games. Um, and I think it's due to Cooley he'll never admit this, but completely focusing on that game. You look at the Butler game where they just mailed it in. I think the scout was completely on Providence. Um, so they showed up really well. And there was a chance again, when we were down with like two or three minutes left, the one thing I thought of was Cooley's record, you know, in like in the last five minutes in those like five point games. And I'm like, Oh God, this is about the national media is about to go freaking nuts. If he wins a game within five points, but Devin Carter put his cape on. I, I'm, I've been, you know, I've been pumping him up since mid last year. I, I really don't think there's a better two way player in all of America, and I think the rest of the national media is starting to recognize that too. I think yeah, he, he was sensational. Um, it's yeah. funny because like a week ago, my brother, we were talking about the team. He's like, but like I don't think Carter's an NBA player. I was like, I, I think he is, dude. Like. I, I really do. And then I talked to him on Sunday and he's like, yeah, he, he is. Uh, so, no, he was awesome in this game. Here's what I do want to talk about, though. Like, Georgetown played tough, for sure. Um, but their defense is still absolute garbage. Um, they gave up, I think we shot like 65% from the floor in the first half. We shoot 57% from the floor for the game. Um, their defense just not good. But their offense kept them in it. Um and, you know, I thought it's kind of perfect example of good offensively, but terrible defensively. Look at Supreme Cook. He had a nice game, 15 points, only four rebounds, but on seven of 10 from the floor. But on the flip side, he gives up Josh O'Dora going for 22 and six with eight of 10 from the floor. So, you know, as good as their offense is, their defense can just give it right back. Um, I did do a rewatch, BOC. And one thing I wanted to point out that I thought was pretty funny. Earlier in the game, they did the inside the huddle, like Fox Sports usually does. And Ed Cooley was talking to them about uh, Gaines and Carter. He's like, he's like, Carter, he wants to go downhill. Like, don't worry about him from three. And like Gaines, like, all you got to do is worry about him from three. So like, don't worry about him scoring. Ticket Gaines goes three of four on twos in this game, only hit one three. He had 14 points. <clears throat> Devin Carter, on the other hand, now, Cooley's not totally wrong. Like, listen, that's Ticket's main bread and butter is the three-pointer. We're not going to deny that. And same can be said about Carter. Yes, he's a downhill driving player. But the one difference was 
on that possession when, when we're down and Carter hits that monster three, they gave him so much airspace, BOC. And if you watch Devin Carter of this year, the Devin Carter last year doesn't shoot that, but the one this year certainly does, and no. he hits him. And so I just thought that was pretty funny. He hit that shot from almost the same spot. Remember where English, I think it was against Butler in overtime, where yeah. English said, shoot it, shoot it. It was almost like the same exact spot. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Carter has turned into a really well-rounded player who can hit the three. Like, I, I don't have his stats in front of me now, but I'm fairly certain he's shooting above 35% from three. Uh, I don't know if you have that top of your head. Um, in a year, yeah, he's got to be. Yeah. So um, he, he went 205 in this game from three, but. Yeah, 40%. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I thought, and another thing about this game, BOC. He's, he right now is 36% from three. That's crazy. Yeah. And he's like our most widely used offensive player, and he's doing that from three. He's a pro. I like, it would not shock. The only thing that's going to stop him from being a lottery pick is because he's all 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and doesn't have the quote-unquote measurables. But he's a dog. Like, we talked about it on Friday night. He'll be a Miami Heat. He'll be a Memphis Grizzly. Yeah. He'll have a 10-year career, and you're going to wonder how the hell he, he slipped to them. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, he was awesome in this game. I So, to me, though, outside of beating them by, like, 30 points, this might have been the best way the game could have gone, in my opinion. Think I mean, about the, it. The, like, the ending was incredible. <laughs> We're winning the whole game comfortably, uh, within arm's reach, I should say. N- not really comfortably, but within arm's reach. Uh, they make their comeback, take a lead. You know Ed is thinking to himself, like, I think I'm about to steal this game. And, like, he gets his hopes up. And then Devin Carr just goes nuts. Personal 7-0 run. He was awesome. Um, the First off, the alley-oop in the first half. From Corey Floyd, that was like three quarters court. That was we, insane. Can we can we admit? I think, I think you and I talked about this post game. Was that? Did he mean the alley oop? That? Yeah, maybe not. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I think he may have airmailed that, but we'll say it was a great alley oop pass. It was. I mean, it was right on the money. Yeah. Um, so that was insane. He has that other alley oop, that the three sixty alley oop, which was insane. Um, and then obviously the game clincher, which shout out to Devin Carter because I have burned in my brain for almost six years now oh. of Robert Williams clinching the game against Providence in the NCAA tournament first round with an emphatic windmill dunk. And that has scarred me for years. And Devin Carter put an end to that by doing his own version of it uh, to end that game. It was awesome to see. Another thing though, Corey Floyd hit a three in this game. That was so great. He made two other massive defensive plays in this game. Like, um, and I, I kind of forgot about it until, until I rewatched the tape. He had a steal on one uh, late in the game. And I think when we were down right before the Carter three, I think he gets the tie up on, on Cook. So he had two massive defensive plays in this game to help them get the win. So shout out to Corey Floyd there. Um, but yeah, you know, the Friars avoided disaster in losing this game. At the end of the day, the records were going to get tossed out the window. Like who, like it didn't matter, you know, it's yeah. like a PCURI game. It doesn't matter where they are. 
well, I mean, I guess lately it's just Providence is back to dominating them. But for that brief stretch of PCRI, it was like, throw the records out the window. Who knows who wins? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I felt that way. They didn't play their best game, but they made the plays when it counted. And again, avoided disaster because that would have been a disastrous loss for the tournament resume. But and shout out to the shout out to the fans for the uh, we love English chant. I think that was awesome and really creative, and it just shows we've really embraced him. But now we uh, so we had a big celebration Saturday. I think you and I tagged about five or six different bars, which you know you and I used to do that like clockwork back in. Yeah, we we went back to Brad's and uh, and Olds, uh, really reliving our youth, and um, hence why we were out of commission until now. (laughs) As of this, I made I made the executive call at all eight thirty p.m. to bring us home because we were uh, zombies, which was it was awesome to go there. Though we saw a lot of the PCBC, which was awesome. We did. did. Um, uh, It was good to catch up with folks in our class too. So it was just. An incredible weekend. Weather was great. Uh, it was so much fun. It was awesome. It was awesome. All right. Now shifting gears, BOC. Yeah. Uh, talk about, you know, good job. You, you beat Ed Coley in his return. What do you get next? Number one UConn on the road, Wednesday night, 8.30 tip FS1. Um, the Huskies are rolling. Um, they, you know, they're 8-1 and one in conference, I believe. They lost their first game in conference. So they've won eight straight. Um, they're starting to beat the bag off teams. They're, they're looking – listen, I said I didn't think they'd repeat this year, but they look very capable of doing that. Um, they're pretty well balanced. You know, Cam Spencer's been a really good fit for them. Um, so – and then you're playing this game 8.30 at night at Campbell because – we all know UConn will probably never play Providence at XL Center ever again, in my opinion. Um, it's it's going to be a t- tall order on Wednesday night. It is going to be a tall order, but th- like, I don't want to say we're playing with house money because it does have ramifications for like the NCAA tournament, but they can come in and just give them their best shot. Uh, I think the line, if I had to guess, would probably be 10 and a half, 11 and a half. Um, 13. 13. Okay. Wow. Um, there's go- there's a couple things they need to do. I think, I think they need to run caravan and Spencer off the three point line. I think Providence has a lot going for it in Pierre and Carter. I don't know if they necessarily have a defensive matchup for either of them. Um, and I think we're probably gonna have to replicate the game plan against what we did with Crane and Odoro had five or six really good looks from three. He just didn't make any. And I think if we have a shot, Odoro needs to go, two of four, two of five, three of six from three to have a chance because, again, he's, he seems like he's healthy now. I just don't see him having a lot of success against Clay and say whatever you want about him. He's a great defensive player. Um, so I think we're going to try and have to replicate what we did against Creighton and hopefully Odor can knock a few down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I do worry about Clinton though. Like – I think if we had Hopkins as an extra body um, where we can be physical with their entire team, you know, uh, down in the paint would be, would have been beneficial. Um, You know, you look at the game that UConn lost, uh, they got very mediocre to poor shooting performances from Newton. 
uh, Caravan and Spencer in that game. Um, but Seton Hall really didn't capture the game yeah. until Klingon went down with his injury. Uh, so, you know, are we, are we picking up? Are we picking? Me. Are we picking up a narrative on Seton Hall and how they can claim wins? It's you just got to wait for somebody to get injured mid game. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, turned out Kadar didn't wasn't really injured, uh, quote yeah. unquote. If, if if you hear the chatter around his absence for our game, but um, but no, like that does worry me a lot in this game. Um, dude, they're, they're number one in the country for a reason. I, yeah. I I wrote the preview article this morning. They are number one in the Big East and points per game, field goal, field goal percentage, three point field goal percentage. That you don't think of, at least I don't think of UConn as an offensive juggernaut. I think of them as just like grind you down and just like really physical on the. It's just a physical defensive team. They're great on offense, and I think what Hurley has done, and I've talked a little bit with a couple of my Nova buddies, is he's kind of taking the right blueprint where you don't necessarily have like I wouldn't call Spencer and Caravan like great athletes but what they do what they do have is they can they stripe it from deep and if you have a couple guys who can threaten from deep it just opens up the entire court and opens up for Castle Newton and then you then you can run the pick and roll and just feed Samson Johnson and Clayton like they have a really complete team I think they're the best team in the country right now I would like to see them against UNC again but I think they're probably the best team in the country and Providence in order to get an upset has to play lights out offensively, which I don't know if they can do. Yeah. Um, like we're like, we're going to have to, it'd be something uncharacteristic where like Baron goes for four threes or Floyd goes for four threes, just like a total surprise of an offensive game. Because I think if we play our normal offensive game, we'll lose by 15. Yeah. I mean, listen, like you kind of said, I kind of do think it's it's a little house money for them. I mean, if you lose the game, it's really not going to impact your resume. Um, but if you win it, I mean, oh, man, that would put them in the driver's seat for firmly getting in um, the rest of the way. And, you know, their they're, they're schedule down the stretch isn't easy. It's, it's like up and down. It's going to be tough right now. Then there will be a little breather. And then, obviously, you get UConn to end the season. Um, but you know, I think right now, if they lose this game they're it's going to be a battle to try and get in that large here. Um, not to say that they can't do it. Um, to me, if they protect home court the rest of the way, they'll get in. Um, that might be a tall order though. Cause you know, Creighton and UConn aren't going to lie down going to the amp. Um, so you know, we'll see. But if they win, man, oh man, and and to me, it's just I just want to see them compete. You know, and and just give a good all all round effort. I think they will. I don't wins. think I don't think they'll mail it in at all. I think no. Um, I think they're going to try really hard. I just don't think we have the horses to keep up with Connecticut and. It would be a better matchup with Hopkins, yes, but I still – maybe I don't think we have the horses to keep up with them even with healthy Hopkins. They're just a very, very good team. The thing that changes this is if somehow Odor can get Klingon in foul trouble because I think he can go to work against their backup bigs. But conversely – I think he can well, – we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if, if Odor can actually have success against Klingon defensively. 
the guy's a monster, but I don't know. Full bag of post moves. Maybe you can. And yeah, also, I... we do have an ace in the whole BOC. I don't think UConn realizes. What's that? We got Bonk on scout team right now. Dude, we're doing... they practiced today, and Bonk was out there wearing the Klingon penny. Trust me. Uh, so we have a guy to prep. We're on a three-game winning streak since you joined the team, for what it's worth. Also true. Also true. And also, by the way, we haven't even talked about him. That was my first time seeing him live. He is – my expectations – like, I, I talked about him playing, like, similar to, like, Castro minutes next year. I think he actually might start next year. Like, he <laughs> did, he did not look like somebody who needs, like, two or three years to develop. He looked ready to play. Yeah, I mean he, he's humongous. Uh, he, he's a he's a freak. Yeah. Um, do do you put a predict? I didn't see. Do you put a prediction on the article? It's yeah, out on I said. I said no, it's all good. I I said um, Providence plays it tough, but UConn wins. I think I said seventy nine, seventy two. Oh wow! I'll probably go UConn eighty two, Providence sixty eight. I think that's also fair. Yeah. Yeah. You just need you just need a lot of contributions for like you can't ask Devin Carter to go off for 40 points. <laughs> I'd take it. <laughs> uh, I would take it. Yeah, why not? Like they'll put Castle, they'll put Castle and Ball on him, I think. Um, which good test for them. I don't think they can keep up with him, but if they put like Spent, I don't think they'll put Spencer or Newton on him. I think that'd be silly. But I don't know who like does Newton guard Pierre? Because I don't think Newton's quick enough to guard Pierre. He has a length on him. I don't know who they go put Pierre on. So while that while UConn has a plethora of options on offense, we, we have a few too that we can maybe exploit. So um we'll see what happens. And again, it's a good litmus test for when we get them back at our place. Yeah, for sure. Um all right, so then province will you know they got the UConn game on Wednesday and then I believe Saturday they will play uh, Sunday Sunday against Villanova. Oh, is that at, yeah? That's at Nova, right? Yeah. We got the Villanova game on right now. Nova made a little run uh, to make an eight-point game at halftime, but it didn't look good early for them. No, no, it did not. And they're currently running a four-game losing streak. We'll see if they get this one. You know me; I would love them to get this one, so then they can be fat and happy for Sunday and lose to us. <laughs> Is that game at Wells Fargo or the Finn? Did you say Wells that? Fargo? I believe six p.m. Oh, nice. You gonna have boots? We'll see. Work, working on it. Yep. Yeah. You got. You got to give that. You got to give that one a day or two right now. <laughs> All right. Anything else, BOC? Um. Yeah. I uh. Give condolences to Fanta's family. Um. So Fanta, if you didn't see his his father passed away on Monday, um, unexpectedly, and there, I, I say this because John has come onto the podcast probably three or four times. Uh, even when we were just starting off a couple of years ago when we were, we're still nobodies, but we, when we were even more nobodies um, and he's always been really gracious with his time and it's just a really good person and human being. Um, so that is even listening to this, but just want to shout that out because I, I appreciate everything he's done. And he just seems like a genuinely good dude. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, it's terrible. Um, you know, he's younger than we are, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a horrible thing to happen. Um, I, 
I do have his number over the. He was supposed to come on. On I'll just say it now. He was going to be our special guest for the live show, but uh, travel restrictions. Uh, he got into province too late on Friday night, so he wasn't able to do it. But he would have done it if he was there, and that's just kind of the guy he is. And obviously, you and I have never met his father, but uh, I would guess he was a pretty good man uh, because because John's a, a really good dude. So yeah, absolutely. Thoughts and prayers to his family for sure. Anything else, PLC? No, man. Um, it, it's awesome to get a chance to uh, play the best in the country in Connecticut and see what we can do because we we win this one. We stop talking about us being a bubble team, and now we maybe can start talking about seeding. I know that sounds crazy to say, but fifteen and fifteen and six, six and four in conference with arguably the best win of any team all season, like a road win yeah. of number one in, in the conference. country. Yeah. No, hey. that, that might be – if they can win this one, that might be the best win in college basketball all year. No, that's what I'm saying. And I, I think yeah. I think they have finally found their footing um, since the Hopkins injury. And granted, it was against two tomato cans in DePaul and uh, in DePaul and Georgetown and then the good road winning in Seton Hall. But I think they're starting to find their form and find their roles. Um, again, this, that injury happened midseason, so – We'll see what happens. I think it's a great test for them, and I'm I'm excited. There will be no pressure or anxiety, at least on my end, because I'm not expecting a lot. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what they can do. Hopefully they can pull out the W. All right, until next time, Firetown, we'll see you later. See you guys.